the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha, your source for real estate market updates and strategies and answers to your real estate lending questions. Now, to provide you with insight and help you navigate the constantly changing world of real estate lending, here's your host, financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Good afternoon, Bay Area. It is Tuesday, March 22nd. My goodness, where is the year zipping off to? Misha Dimitrik with you here with Essex Mortgage, branch manager and senior loan originator out of the Santa Cruz branch, NMLS ID 694427. If you have questions, comments, or a transaction that you are considering and you are looking for some guidance and support, please reach out to me. My phone number 831-435-0385. My email, Misha, M-E-S-H-A, at EssexMortgage.com. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. We have a great show for you today, and I appreciate everyone here joining me. Uh, The challenge for last week's show was about understanding how to purchase with a higher credit score and how that benefits you. So for those of you who listen, we do a weekly challenge on how to educate you on what might be holding you back or how you can improve your set of circumstances. And definitely having a higher credit score is something that people contact me on a routine basis about. And I had a conversation with Armando. Thank you, Armando, for your call. And he had been paying diligently, paying off one card. And after last week's show, he called and said, I've I've paid a little bit down on each of the cards to bring their balance under that 49%. And all of my scores are already showing that they're doing better because he's now paid under that 49%. Now, for those of you who haven't heard me say it before, when you are have a balance on any of your revolving debt, your credit cards, things that you can spend on and pay back, um, if you get to the 50% mark of what's available to you on any one account, your credit score falls off a little cliff. You might have $5,000 to spend on that card, but what the credit rules and the credit world doesn't tell you is if you spend $2,500, you are looked at as if you are overextending yourself. Having somewhere between 30 and 49% is the the sweet spot or sort of the maximum. Keeping it under 30% on each individual account is what's going to garner the best scores for you. That's management, debt management, and you actually are rewarded by higher credit scores for having more accounts with small balances on them and larger amounts of debt available to you that you're not using. For most consumers though, that's a headache. It'd be easier for us if we could have one credit card with a big balance available and use what we need and pay it down as we see fit. But that's not how the credit world is going to give you the best points for it. So Armando has taken what he's learned here. He's already seeing the benefit of it uh, in his credit scores that are reported through his banks online. And he's waiting for it to produce in his real estate 
pulled credit report for a transaction, but based on what these scores are showing, he's already going to be eligible for cheaper financing. So way to go, Armando. I'm really excited for you. Uh, likewise, I spoke with Rennie a few months ago, and she could not get out of the credit score rut that she had. And she explained that she didn't really need to utilize debt. She had sufficient income, and she would pay cash for most things. So I had encouraged her to open up some debt, use those to her benefit, take out cards that had rewards that she would actually utilize. Don't, don't take airline miles if you don't like to fly, that type of thing. Um, everyone could use some gas rewards at this point, uh, you know, cash back in those ways. So uh, Rennie had opened up some new accounts and initially she turned around and just paid them off. Um, she opened a revolving account and then she opened one with a retail card and she turned around and paid it off in less than six months and then called and said, what, what happened? I, I opened it, I made two payments and then I closed it, but my credit score is just not getting any better. And I backed her up to our initial conversation your credit score is a numeric depiction of your ability to understand borrow and repay. When you open an account, you have sufficiently displayed that you can borrow, but your credit score will probably come down because you've only shown half of the imperative pieces to get you to that best score position. The second best score position is showing six months of on-time payments, meaning effectively seven months after you've opened an account, you will start to see the benefit in your credit report. And she said, oh, that's right. We did talk about that. So she was opening accounts and paying them off in installment loans, effectively closing the account before she had gotten to that sixth on-time payment. And therefore, she wasn't giving herself the opportunity to display her credit worthiness in that full six months of payments. So um, she gave me a call back and let me know that she has opened other accounts. She's gone the full six months of payments and her credit score is growing in leaps and bounds. So thank you, Rennie, for getting back to me and letting me know that that was something that really, really worked for you. These are the types of strategy shifts and changes in mentality that I hope that this show brings to a good many users um, of the uh, listeners of the show and, and users of the information because it is required in the Bay Area. We really have to be flexible and we have to learn how to best adapt to the changing environment here. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot from people is their frustration about not being able to get their foot in the door in the Bay Area, but they really still want to buy. And many times over, I've postured to them the opportunity of making an out-of-state purchase. Some of them are daunted by the task of where to go. It's, it's too vast of an opportunity for them. They're not really sure where to begin and how to sort of nail down where they'd like to go. And then, and then what do they make of that property? You know, is it just an investment property forever? And the opportunity there for them is that the price point is typically lower than the Bay Area. So they do have the ability to put down enough funds for an investment property. And then what happens with that property is basically for the future to tell. Um, some people will continue to make that an investment. Some people will turn it into a second home. Uh, some people will might decide that they want to leave the area in full and retire to these lo other locations in other states and other parts around the country and uh, begin living their best lives there. So to speak a little bit more on this, we have with us today, Jeff Willey on the line. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing good, Misha. How are you this afternoon? I am doing great. Jeff, please remind everyone who you are and what you do. I'm a uh, licensed realtor here in California. Uh, I do have the uh, uh, SRES designation, which means uh, I'm a supposedly specialist in the senior demographic. Uh, my license number here in California is 019 
Wonderful. Now, Jeff, you can speak to this topic specifically from your own experience in looking out of state. And let's hear from you. What are, what are your thoughts and feelings on this process and how are you navigating it? Well, your show last week was kind of the catalyst to, you know, get me to think along lines that it might be a little bit more interesting versus in just, you know, academically talking about uh, senior uh, tools to be used. Uh, 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 as a bit of a background, quickly, I had an investment property by default uh, a number of years ago when I took a job in California. It was at the same time the real estate market tanked. And so it was a rental for 12 years until market recovered. And, you know, I acquired a, a similar project uh, property in Bend and uh, uh, sold that last year. And now I'm, uh, I have an opportunity to look to use those proceeds somewhere. Proceeds somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm renting in California as a property manager, but at some point the owner is going to sell this property and I'm not interested in purchasing in California. So uh, I've, I've already started the process of uh, really looking at what I don't want. You know, I don't want winter and snow living. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to use all my savings just to acquire a home, you know, and not have funds to enjoy life. Uh, and for intangible reasons, I'm not interested in moving to Florida or Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. What I do want is to get more house for less money than it would have, uh, that would have to do here in California. And uh, initially, I'm looking at investment property because, you know, Misha has explained the types of tools that uh, I can use to, to acquire an investment property. You know, it, it could well be a single home. It could be a duplex. Uh, uh, Misha's explained how a debt service loan with 20% down, you can acquire a property, possibly a renovation loan with 15% down. Uh, these are possibilities. Uh, 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 and, and my funds are going to come from either savings, and I started to investigate the, the money that I've got in an IRA to possibly create a self-directed uh, IRA that uh, uh, could be used as far as uh, equity into it, uh, the, where I've kind of whittled it down. Uh, I, I seem to be focused more in the North Carolina, South Carolina area. Uh, you can basically get a lot more home for uh, less money than you can in the California market. Uh, my daughter moved there, so that's kind of a, 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 a reason, and I've got extended family there. And uh, I had a business trip planned for next month, and now I'm going to make it like a 10-day trip just to, you know, explore the area. Uh, from a timing perspective, I'm kind of focused on either the third or fourth quarter of this year or the first quarter of next year. So uh, that's kind of my personal journey, and, you know, maybe it's uh, – uh, uh, give some of your listeners, you know, uh, uh, some thoughts on how they may want to approach it because it's 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 a process. It's not a quick turn thing, but it's uh, it can be a fun process too. Right, it, and and I think it's actually very pointed um, that it's been a process to get to the place where you say to yourself, I I need to look at the long haul picture here. So many people in real estate think of it as those house flipping shows where it's just, you know, immediate turnover, buy a house, boom, you make it into something else, you make tons of money and you could move on to something else. But real estate is a long-term investment strategy. And in when you are getting into the senior years and looking at living your best golden life, having an understanding of where your priorities really align are going to be paramount in helping you decide what that means about paying for the roof over your head and paying the premium for the tinier roof or paying a reasonable sum for a more comfortable living as you age is definitely a decision that 
I know took some getting used to and, and sort of talking you through it. And it's a huge amount of change. I imagine that was um, easier for you to do once your daughter was there and you realized you had family there. For those of you who don't, um, you know, Jeff is still here and available to help you walk through these steps of where would be an appealing market to you or, you know, what is and is not on your do and don't want list so that you can help narrow yourselves down. But the initial thought processes of realization of how much further your money goes in life uh, and presently, if you vacate the state of California for that purchase, if you're not able to make that purchase because of the competitive nature, or if you're just looking at having smaller dollars to make that investment with now, out of state is an absolutely viable and fantastic option for just about everyone out there. And I definitely encourage you to reach out to Jeff. Jeff, please remind everybody how to get in touch with you. The easiest way is my cell phone, which you can text uh, or call, which is uh, 831-888. 7685. And uh, the, the way that I'm proceeding with this, I'm not, I'm not going to be moving for two, three or four years. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just looking to uh, acquire a property and heck, it could be a, a duplex that, you know, three, four years from now. And if I want to live there, I'll be an owner occupied. Uh, it can be a single residence. Uh, but my first objective is just to acquire a property. Uh, moving, that's down the line. This has given me the flexibility to do it when I want. And it can be much later or it can be sooner. Uh, I like those options. Absolutely. Well, and a very pointed statement there that it's not about having to hurry up and make a decision about what you do with this property, but it's about capturing in the now and and getting that process of market appreciation started for you. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. We're going to take a break and we'll be back here in just a moment. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right. We are back. Thanks again for joining us. You know, as Jeff was highlighting, the process of purchasing out of state is something that it's taken him a little bit to get to. And the realization that that is a great opportunity for him to acquire a property, rent it out, have it make some money, pay down some of the property, be a viable tax write-off, give him the flexibility of being able to visit and have it become an expense for that ownership and taking the time to decide what develops for that opportunity. And and if someday he decides to make that his primary residence, that's absolutely fine. Uh, That's something that I talk about when I speak with buyers who are definitely fatigued at the offer and not acceptance cycle that is happening around the Bay Area for a good many buyers. And for some, they just, they have a small area that they need to stay in, whether it's for kids going to school or the proximity to their jobs or even proximity to family members, but they are sort of in an area where they have not as much flexibility to be able to move out of. And so they just resigned themselves to, they're still trying to make that purchase, but they are feeling defeated. And so how do they get in on capturing some market appreciation and get a write-off you know, for their tax returns and, and have some property, some real tangible asset rather than just playing the market. And we talk about them buying out of state frequently. Uh, there's plenty of catalysts for how to purchase a property out of state. Financing opportunities are abundant. There's a variety of different loan programs that allow flexibility for people who are looking to make that purchase. And one of them that has emerged in the market as being a very strong contender for just about every buyer out there is called a debt service loan. And the debt service loan 
takes your credit score into consideration. It verifies your assets, the funds needed for the transaction, down payment, closing costs, and six months principal interest tax insurance and any applicable homeowners association dues in reserve. The property itself needs to appraise for the purchase price and a market rent analysis is completed by the appraiser to determine what the market rent would be for that area. Now these are done on month to month rentals and long-term leases. They are validated through property management companies. So they don't take anything, um, you know, no Craigslist, no out of the newspaper or word of mouth information. And as long as the projected rent covers the projected expense for the property, there's no other qualification that comes into play. There's no debt to income, how much money comes in versus how much money goes out. There's no digging into someone's depth of portfolio or understanding what their current income on paper looks like. It's really, does this property support itself? And and the 100% of the rent that's available out there. Now, there's variety in these programs. There are loans that allow you to not have the rent that meets 100% of the expense and they carry a different rate. There are loans that if you meet 100% of the expense, it carries a separate rate. If there are in their instance that there are properties that the intended rent exceeds what the expected expense is, there's even another rate market for that. So if you are showing net profit on paper to begin with, there's even more flexibility for the financing. Now, for those of you who have purchased a traditional investment property loan, you've put 25% down and you were eligible if you didn't have any other investment properties and had never been an investor before, you were eligible to utilize 75% of what the market rent was determined by the appraiser towards qualification. That's if you have a primary housing expense, uh, if you have a history of managing properties. Uh, Otherwise, you could be, if you don't own anything, and you don't, maybe you don't even have a a formal written lease agreement to prove that you have a housing expense, you could find yourself making an investment property purchase where you don't have the ability to use the rental income to qualify. And that would send for a lot of people their entire transaction out the window. So this is another set of circumstances where, again, formal pre-approval, understanding what it is that you're looking to achieve and ensuring that you have all of your ducks lined up to be able to execute on your goal for yourself in the future, pre-approval is going to be the best catalyst for that. Not just plugging your information that you think applies into some sort of online calculator and seeing what the system spits back at you, but a conversation with a live and experienced human who can help you understand the pitfalls and the loan options that are out there in the market. It is a very interesting industry and there are a lot of different options and Each one has its own rules. The rules are referred to in this industry as guidelines. Understanding the guidelines of any one program is not necessarily the requirement for you as the consumers. It is the requirement for us as the lending professionals. And that is what the formal pre-approval process does. It takes your individual information and we review everything and match it up against the guidelines of that particular loan or the particular loans that we're qualifying you on and showing you this works, this doesn't work. Here's where you need to make adjustments in order for this loan option to work for you. And then taking the time to explain how that is going to get you to the finish line for your goals. So again, I'm going to always encourage formal pre-approval. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with Misha. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. 
All right. We were talking about flexible financing, how to be a savvy investor moving out of state. And the last thing that I was alluding to was the importance of formal pre-approval. Now, anyone who's listened to this show for any number of years that I've been doing this, I continuously talk about the importance, the imperative nature of the formal pre-approval. I'm not talking about pre-qualification. I'm talking about pre-approval. Many people call and say, well, what's the difference? Pre-qualification is a credit pool. And then a consumer explaining to a loan officer what they make, what kind of money they have access to or in the bank, and talking about their history. A formal pre-approval means you provide evidence of these things. You give me the pay stubs, the tax returns, the W-2s. We verify the employment, the income, the history. We review not just your credit, but all of the other qualifying pieces. When a formal pre-approval is completed, it says to the seller, our buyer is already approved. Does your house qualify? And it's a definite huge difference than someone who just has a qualification letter that states that they have been preliminarily reviewed uh, because there are nuances to all of these guidelines, the rules of a loan that need to be double and triple checked to make sure that there aren't any issues that would negate someone from being able to get that particular type of financing. I have seen over the last year, because the industry has been so busy, because we've been so busy for so long, we are seeing just as much as we see buyer fatigue, we're seeing professional fatigue, where people are not doing those detailed due diligence tasks that are really imperative to ensuring that a client is formally pre-approved. And we're finding, because the nature of the offers being submitted in the Bay Area are so intense, all of these non-contingent offers, the non-contingent offers meaning There's no instance to back out of the transaction because of an appraisal problem, a problem with the loan, or a condition at the property. People get into contract and they're in. They have to make good on that sale some way or another. So having that pre-approval specifically dialed in and ensuring that all of the information has been reviewed and qualifies is imperative. Otherwise, people find themselves, and I run into these transactions where I'm asked to jump in and rescue something that's turned completely sideways. The documentation didn't get reviewed up front. The lender wrote them a pre-qualification letter and relayed that they reviewed everything. These buyers went out, got into contract, and put in a non-contingent offer. Then lo and behold, there was something in their documentation that caused a problem that meant they were no longer eligible for that type of loan. And if that lender specifically does not have a multitude of options to be able to service that client's needs, They can flounder for the remaining part of the transaction. They can tell a buyer there's no option for you because they don't specifically have an option or maybe they are not aware of the other options out there in the market. And I do see this, unfortunately. Thankfully, we're a heavily regulated industry. There are a lot of times where people receive the information and immediately are contacting their clients and saying, you know, this was just realized and now you don't qualify. We need to get you with someone who has a loan that would service your needs. but. For the purpose of setting yourself up for success up front, asking those questions. Is this a formally underwritten pre-approval? That means it's going one step beyond just talking with the loan officer. That means all of the data that's taken in is actually reviewed, 
not only by an electronic system, but by another live human. Make sure the income is calculated correctly. Make sure the assets are reviewed. There isn't something in the bank statement that indicates that a deposit was provided and those funds can or cannot be sourced and evidenced, which is a huge problem for some people if they can't provide the evidence and the documentation to support where a deposit came from, those funds could become ineligible. And if they were counting on that money for a transaction, well, there you go. That's the beginning of your demise of that loan option. That happens to people. And then the rate lock that they have goes out the window and they have to scramble for an option to capture that property quickly because they already have that non-contingent offer. means they're all in. We'll talk more about this and all the other magnificent pieces of lending when we take a break. After we take a break, we'll be back in just a few. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right. Back to pre-approval, because this is something that I see so frequently, and I think it's really important for all of our listeners to really have a, a really strong grasp of what this does for you in the process and how you're going to benefit from it. When it comes to your formal pre-approval, the interest rate that is provided to you for you to look at is really important for you to understand where does this rate come from? What is it indicative of? And one of the things that I highlight to people frequently when I submit a, a formal pre-approval to them is I explain this is a pre-approval that's based on an interest rate that is a, at least a quarter of a point higher than what the market is today. Now that is to ensure that in a market shift environment that we're presently in, with the market shifting, that you don't find yourselves being priced out of the market in these next few weeks while you're shopping, given how quickly the market is moving at this time. For those people who are shopping for a you know, very finite property or something super specific in a really impacted market, I might show them a half a point higher in rate to allow for that time for them to get into contract. And Oftentimes people will say, okay, but what would the rate be today? And I always remind them that, that they can only get locked in uh, with a rate when they have a property under contract. So as the market was shifting and rates were coming up, I had clients contacting saying, hey, are, you know, are, if there, is there any way that we can indicate a property and then switch it to another property? No, your rate lock is specific to that individual property and you as a buyer. But knowing what that rate is, is going to help you understand how to future cast for your finances. I encourage all of my clients to begin living as if they're paying that payment that we pre-approve them for now, make their rent payment out of the money that they are setting aside, put any surplus into savings. It's only going to help you offset any other closing costs or other expenses and feel how that works for you. Don't rely on credit cards, live as you normally do and get an understanding of how that budget either restricts you, you and your family, or affords you the lifestyle that you need. If you find it's too restrictive, then you want to go back to the drawing board and understand what could I do differently if I have to reach to this price point in order to capture any of the properties that I'm interested in? What can I do within my own budget to minimize expenses there so that I'm maximizing this purchase of this home? Or do I have the flexibility to lower my price point and maybe look at different types of properties? And, and, Find your success that way. Having this information up front is absolutely how you win in knowing that before you're required to make that payment, you begin to feel what it's like to live that way. And with the price point being as high as it is in the Bay Area, 
for a good many people, when they go from renting to buying, they definitely feel a shift in the payment. And that affords them you know, two things, either the ability to restructure and be happy about the fact that they acquired a property and that they're going to have to make some shifts in order to make it all work and flow because it is different. And it's not just the buy of a property that's the cost. It's the buy of the property. And then you establish a relationship with this home that you're now also financially responsible for. There will be ongoing maintenance. There will be things that need to be done, fixed, repaired, and upgraded at the home. And you're going to have to figure out how to budget for those accordingly. It doesn't have to be huge dollars every single month, but having that sort of rainy day fund or the ability to be able to make those repairs and upgrades and modifications is going to be what helps you stay happy with your purchase. And that's really what we want. We want you to be excited and happy about the home that you own and that you live in because you're working very, very hard in order to pay for it. The other side of that is that people don't have the right expectation and they don't anticipate the costs associated with home ownership and they run into deferred maintenance. And the more they defer the maintenance, the bigger the problem becomes, the more costly it becomes. And the next thing you know, it's a very negative situation for them because they were barely making that payment in the first place. And so when it comes to your financing, knowing that that budget fits with your lifestyle, fits with your expectations, and that you have some wiggle room, it really is about making you the happiest homeowner. So knowing that upfront is really important. Having your formal pre-approval now for anyone who's in the pre-approval process and you have not contacted the lender that you're working with and asked for a revision of the current loan rate and pre-approval that you have or ask them for a new one, please do yourselves the favor. Lots of people in the Bay Area have been shopping for long periods of time. And if you think, well, I just didn't want to bother them until I actually get in with a, you know, a property and contract, here's the problem that you may run into. If it's been more than six months and you haven't touched base with the lender, you need to speak with them before you put in any type of offer. The rate environment has changed dramatically, and we need to understand what it is that you are qualifying for and what that intended payment is for you now. And that's to your benefit. We don't want there to be any surprises. So make that phone call, send that email, fire off a text today, and get that information revised so that you have all the most up-to-date information. And then ask the pointed question, what is this rate based on? So they can tell you, this is today's rock bottom price. And then you can ask them, could you give me a buffer here? Because I'm not finding a property or I anticipate still buying for you know, the foreseeable few months. Can you build in a buffer? Additionally, you can ask for buy down options. Buying down your rate in a purchase environment is hugely advantageous. It's called paying points or a percentage of the loan amount. And one buying one percentage point is 1% of the loan amount that you have going, but it doesn't necessarily equate to 1% in interest rate. It can be a fraction of 1%, but each increment of buying down opportunity it can be put in an illustration to you so you can see what cost would be associated with what rate that you can buy down to. I would definitely encourage anyone who is in the buying market right now to look at these options. And even if you don't necessarily have the cash to apply to buying down today, for a good many buyers in the Bay Area, because your rent is so high, um, saving money for that down payment is going to be part of the challenge. But you have the income to support a higher payment. 
you also have the ability to get a property under contract and then offer to pay a higher purchase price to a seller and request a closing cost credit. This allows the seller to provide you with a credit that you can use towards closing costs. And one of those options is the ability to use that credit to buy down your interest rate. Again, it's the opportunity for you to make it cheaper for you to have that same property, but have a smaller payment going forward and for the duration of your time there. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right. Top of the hour and my favorite part of the show, the weekly challenge. Um, For those of you who listen to the show, these weekly challenges are really designed to trigger a response from you. Have you let me know what I'm challenging you to, where that took you in your research, how that expanded your knowledge, and what it brought to the table for you as far as helping you reach your goals, solve your financial real estate conundrums. One of the things that I am looking at with a good many buyers out there right now, and something I'm going to propose as the weekly challenge this week, is understanding what you could buy out of state. I know we've talked about this before on the show, um, but for those of you who have sort of hit the wall when it comes to looking to buy a property here in the Bay Area, and you're feeling a little bit blue, about just not being able to capture and the price point that you're having to stretch continuously as your shopping period goes on. One of the things that I like to remind people is if you are safe and secure in your current home and you have the ability to maintain your rental status, then you're not in jeopardy. For those people who are in the position where they're in jeopardy, they have a different set of need and circumstance and we need to talk about their flexibility of looking somewhere else. But if you have the ability to look outside the state, I promise you it's a very exhilarating exercise because your price point here is going to show you what is available around the rest of the country. And whether you're looking at the prospect of a rental property outright, just an actual investment property, whether you have a a child that's headed off to college and they've completed their first year in the dorms and next year you're looking at the, the prospect of having to pay for their rent maybe there's an opportunity for you to purchase a property that they can likewise rent rooms in the house of, get some management skills and help you with some tax benefit while you have an appreciating asset out of state. Uh, For those of you who are maybe just looking at finding a place where you, maybe you want to look to get out of California from time to time and a second home for yourselves that you don't intend to rent is something that's in the cards for you. There are lots of different options out there but taking a break from seeing properties that are not it and expanding your ability to see properties that are exciting and the price points are amazing. Uh, I, I joke with all of my clients who are looking out of state, you will have reverse sticker shock in a good many markets across the nation because the prices in the Bay Area, we are all accustomed to. When you look in other places and you see what you get for the money, It's often that people will say, I had no idea. I just was so focused on what I could get here that I I wasn't looking outside until now. And so if that's in the available realm for you, or even if you just need a break from what it is that you have been looking at time and time again, if those drip campaigns are just frustrating you because it's not bringing you what you need for your family to buy, now's the time to look at what else can I do in the real estate market and the investing pool? How can I get in on that market appreciation and that tax benefit um, of home ownership? 
And this is definitely the way to do it. We do have the ability to cross a preview in other states. So Essex Mortgage is a national lender and the ability to support your goals here in California, as well as a multitude of states around the country. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions or if you need guidance and support. The ability to be formally pre-approved for these out-of-state transactions is also available. It is always a pleasure to be with you on this show, and I am available if you have questions or comments or need some structuring support. 831-435-0385 is my phone number. Nisha at Essex Mortgage is EssexMortgage.com is my email address. You can find me at Facebook or LinkedIn. This show does rebroadcast tomorrow at 2 and Sundays at 3 if you missed any part of the show and want to listen to it in its entirety. As always, give me a call, Bay Area. Let me know how I can support your real estate goals and dreams. Stay well and healthy and until next week. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.